Hey guys, my name's Kieran, and you're listening to The Infinite Rabbit Hole. Keep up the good work, guys. Welcome back to The Infinite Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Jeremy, and today we'll be diving into part one of our communion special. That's right. Whitley Strieber and his communion story. I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast is a probably know a little bit if not all of this story but we're going to break it down and we're going to talk about it from our point of view today since i was not ready for this whatsoever uh i'm going to give you a half-assed product and only do part one after you wait months for part two or three or however long this ends up being because we're supposed to have a guest for it but Unfortunately, the guest that we did have for the episode planned for today uh, is feeling a little under the weather. We hope he has a speedy recovery. Uh, that would be Danny. That's a surprise. Danny was supposed to be here with us today. Uh, but if you're out there, Danny, uh, we hope you feel better, man. But before we get into this awesome, fantastic story, we got to introduce those that will be guiding you through nothing because i'm going to be guiding you today uh jacob i can't believe you're not ready for this you're such a slacker everyone knows that already they they're always hitting up up in the comments being like gosh i wish jeremy would just do more you know he's he slacks so hard at this show <sighs> you have no idea yeah i just i don't know i definitely wasn't ready to do it today good thing is that i've already proofread this so that's that and I'm about halfway done with part two. But how are you, man? Are you, you know, you're just going to talk shit or? I'm decent. I'm just bummed out about the show and I've been absolutely defeated by the motorcycle project. Wasted a whole bunch of time. Whitney broke her thumb yesterday. <gasps> um, Whitney. Yeah, I know. She. We were moving the couch outside because we're, we threw it away so we can get new couches delivered. And you threw the couch at her. <laughs> well, she was had her side and rammed it straight, like corner of the couch, into the doorknob, <laughs> leaving <laughs> oh. leaving the front door. And I was like, "That sounded like it hurt." <laughs> and she's just she's talking about it today. She's like, "Oh, yeah, it really hurts." You know, my should I go to the doctor? I was like, I, "Sure, yeah, you should probably." And then she went, and she's like, "Yeah, turns out I fractured it, and <laughs> so it's all in a splint." And I'm like, "That's hilarious." <laughs> <laughs> that was a good bash. <laughs> oh, poor Whitney. Yeah. No, she she should she should buff out. Um Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> It'll buff out. Gosh. Yeah, yeah, I mean, broken knee, broken foot, broken thumb, like there's been a lot of breaks in this marriage. People are going to start suspecting me and I'm going to be like, "Listen, she's stronger than me. If anything, she's beating me up and hurting herself <laughs> doing it." All right? <laughs> Well, uh, I hope she has a speedy recovery, too. Yeah, for sure. Whitney's Whitney's an angel. She's Especially fantastic. since she just got into Modern Warfare, too. So <laughs> her, uh, <laughs> yeah, her co-workers are like, <laughs> they're like, uh, breaking your thumb is not an excuse for getting zero kills. So you're going to have to step up your game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Jeff, do you even beard, bro? Do I beard? Yeah. What do you mean, bro? I mean, look at that. It's not. Yo, do you trim it? 
Yeah, trim it. No, come on, man. You got to let it go. No, no, no. I can't let it go. Look at this luscious mane that I have. uh, There's a specific reason why I can't let it go. I I don't know that I can disclose that reason on this show because this is a family show. You work at home. No one's yes. going to see you anyway. We talked this, about like the lead singer of Mutt no like not, four not feet no graded. One. Not Come no on, one. There's a reason. This is not a family show, first of all. And um, we're off the Paranormal Network. Okay, I can't. Use your imagination. Because it gets right. stuck in his chest hair and he wakes up and he just rips it out. <laughs> and that's it. And that's intertwines. It. <laughs> because you work with machinery every day and you're afraid it's going to get caught and yes. it's gonna scalp Let's your chin. T- yes. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I think I know why. If we think about dirty stuff. And yep. you're on the right track. I can't disclose the reasons, but it's okay. But I'm doing good. I'm excited to be here. Sad that Danny's not here. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. And last of all, we're bringing a new voice to the show. Well, okay, it's not a new voice. It's a, it's a, it's the same voice, but it's it's uh it's improved because she has a new microphone. Kid, that's true. I do have a new microphone. Do you like it? I'm, I do. I'm excited about it. Yeah. I got. I I like squealed when it showed up at the front door. <laughs> we uh we sent her a gift, and she said she was happy about it. Very happy about it. Yeah. Super happy. She deserves it, though, because... Happy Canada Day. Yeah. There. We got it for Canada Day for you. <laughs> Which is yeah. in July, but thank you. Yeah. Whatever, whatever your Thanksgiving <laughs> is. Happy belated Canada Day. Why, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Happy American Thanksgiving. <laughs> Even better. Thank you. Because that's when this episode's coming out, so... Yeah. There yeah, we go. Happy Thanksgiving. That. So it's been a while. We've uh, we've been down. I know nobody's going to really notice other than having to listen to an old episode a couple weeks ago, but um, I had COVID. I still have COVID. I still don't feel good. Yeah, y'all um, been a bunch of sickies. Yeah, it's it's going through my house right now. It's everywhere. Every, everyone's got it right now. Everyone's staying home from school. Uh, everyone's sick. I'm finally feeling good enough to be able to record this week, which is cool. Uh, we weren't able to record last week because I was just, I couldn't even get out of bed. But without a, further ado. On a related note, though, mm. sorry to derail it, but Whitney got COVID and I did not. And I mean, we were second face, right? I mean, we are married after all. So there was there was definitely some face sucking. And somehow bulletproof immune system i did not get covid so if you guys get onto our store especially once this episode drops i'm gonna be selling my spit as a cure-all for whatever so be sure to check it out there you're <laughs> not the edition. only one you're not the only one jake my my husband had covid too and i didn't catch it there you go we'll be so. selling spit on the store so whatever you guys need yep. limited edition we got though, you. stores closing you know in december so <laughs> that's true <laughs> well, last <laughs> which hey. by the time this episode drops should be December so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Mr. Chance sorry guys there you go Jeff here's your chance to get some Jake spit I'm good I'll pass appreciate it though <laughs> <laughs> he only wants it fresh it. 
double it and give it to the next person. <laughs> I'll freeze it and ship it to you. There you go. <laughs> he'll uh, he'll eat ice pop and then refill it up with his own spit. Yeah, I'll, I'll it. do it. Send it to you. I'll do it like how we get our Blue Apron meals with the uh, the big old ice pack sandwiching it. <laughs> in a little baggie and send it to him. <laughs> oh, Jeff. Gross. <laughs> You're welcome. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, there's eight minutes and 43 seconds I'll never get back of my life. <laughs> <laughs> you love us. Oh, boy. <laughs> um... For those who haven't put two and two together, we're also no longer in the paranormal network. They shut down. Or at least that's what they told us. I see they're still posting stuff, but. Yeah, it seems like it's a lie. I don't know. I don't know. I think we got fired after we had Jason on. It literally, that's nuts. Isn't that funny? Like, I I shouldn't have said that, maybe. It's one of those synchronicities (laughs) Jeff's always talking about, where I'm just like, if you're hearing this episode, it means that we haven't been fired. And then literally the next day, he's like, so. (laughs) 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 Bro. (laughs) It's actually, it's, I think it's a combination of that. And also everybody's saying, are we fired yet all the time in the group chat? Uh, we willed and, it into existence, the fire. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you manifested it. You manifested it into reality. As much as Man- you hate manifestation, you did it. You did it. Let's make that into a band name. Manifest destruction. Man, it's probably manifest bad. firing. <laughs> <laughs> manifest pink slips. <laughs> Anyways. Um has any of you heard of the communion story? No. I mean, I participate in communion at church, but other than that, no. Not the same no thing. No? Okay, good. No. Not the same thing. Kid? No. Nope. Really? Man, for a bunch of hosts of a of a paranormal podcast, uh, you would we're think. S- we're a smart bunch, aren't we? You I'm would more, think. I'm more the, on the cryptozoology them, side. We got them smarticle particles. Well, it's... Why don't you educate us, my friend? Because it's already my bedtime. Jeffrey. He's getting pissed off. His weird accent's coming out. Trying trying to get the uh, (laughs) small talk out of the way. (laughs) He's starting to pretend like he's in New York or something. I don't know. Boy. All right. Fine. To keep Jeffrey happy. Jeremy's uh, from that area. He talks like a West Virginian when he's like reading and stuff. And then, yeah. <laughs> um. So I I don't have an intro for this. Uh, maybe we'll get an intro for part two. I don't know. Ooh, someone's getting tribal. <laughs> this would be a long one for you to do. Try, dude. You should totally do tribal music this whole thing and loop it. And loop it. Yes. So the, just warning any, everybody that's listening to this right now, the, the first part is a little long. Uh, but after we get done with the first part, I, I can almost guarantee you we're going to have some stuff to talk about um, before we dive into other parts of the story. 
uh, before we finish up part one of the communion story by Whitley Strieber. This is a well-known story. This isn't something that should be new to a lot of people. Um, I believe they even made a, a movie out of it, just titled Communion. I'm pretty sure I saw it, and it was, it was horrible. But anyways, without further ado, here is the Communion story, or at least part one of it. On the night of December 26, 1985, Whitley and Ann Strieber, as well as their son, were enjoying a holiday stay in their remote cabin in upstate New York. As Whitley was sleeping in his bedroom next to his wife, he was awakened by a peculiar whooshing sound coming from the living room. Whitley laid listening as the sounds of a group of strangers' footsteps filled the room. As he began to wake further, he started to feel more and more unnerved by the thought that someone was in his house. He sat up, looked to the security pad next to the bed, and saw that none of the doors or windows uh, had their alarms tripped. Feeling better about what he heard and the reassurance that no one had entered his house, Whitley laid his head back onto his pillow and attempted to fall back to sleep. But his attempts of slumber failed, and as he opened his eyes, he noticed that the door to his bedroom was moving open. Instantly, he sprung back up and realized that his mind wasn't playing tricks on him, and he witnessed the crack between the door and the frame become larger. Whatever was in his cabin was just outside of his bedroom, and as the door continued to open, the mysterious peeper that was just out of sight revealed itself, a figure stood peeking around the door frame, watching Whitley. His heart raced, his breathing became heavy, and sweat poured out of every pore in his body. The moon's light reflecting off of the newly fallen snow on the ground outside of his uncovered window provided plenty of ambient light for him to see that this thing was not a person and was only about three and a half feet tall. Whitley watched as the figure slowly revealed more and more of itself in the eerie shadows of his room. When it was beginning to round the corner of his doorframe, he noticed that whatever it was, it was wearing what seemed to be some sort of pointy hat that shadowed its face from Whitley's view. As the thing moved closer to fully showing itself to Whitley, two large, black, seemingly bottomless eyes revealed themselves under the retreating shadow that hit its face. Its mouth was nothing more than a dull, deep slit. This intruder was wearing what seemed to be a metallic chest plate, and as it slowly stepped out of the protection of the doorframe, it charged at Whitley, and the next thing he knew, he was waking up as he was seemingly floating away from the bed, completely unable to move. Whitley describes this event as if he was laying down in a position that resembled being frozen in mid-leap. Although he couldn't feel anything, he was certain that something was keeping him up. He goes on to describe that during this particular stage of the night, his head was real foggy, and it was extremely difficult to think straight. But one thing that he does remember very vividly is the inability to move or speak at all. 
After being taken from his room, Whitley believes that he once again fell back to sleep because the next thing that he remembers about that night is waking up very groggy in the woods on a patch of ground with all the snow removed. He was sitting with his hands on his lap and out of the corner of his eye, he could see a small figure sitting with its knees pulled all the way to its chest and its arms wrapped around them. Whoever or whatever it was wore a gray tan bodysuit and just like earlier, this being had large black eyes and with the same mouth, only this time its extremely thin lips made an O shape. Still unable to move more than his eyeballs, Whitley sat in the cold, waiting for whatever what would happen. He soon became aware of a second figure to his right. This one was very active and very hard to see. Whitley described it as being nearly invisible if it weren't for short flashes in his peripheral vision. This figure seemed to be doing something with the right side of his head. But what that something was, Whitley could not tell. At this point, he also feels that there are others around him as well. The two beings that he knew were there had two completely different presences about them. The one to his left, sitting in the same depression in the forest as Whitley, gave him the feeling of a woman, so Whitley began to refer to this being in the feminine. He remembers her being small and nonchalant about the situation they were in, but he also describes the feeling that she was attempting to tell him something. The next thing Whitley remembers are branches moving past his face and then floating above the trees, still sitting in the same position as he was on the ground. He watched as the trees fell further away and a gray floor materialized under him as if he phased through someone's floor. He describes being in a small, round, and messy room. On top of not being able to move, Whitley felt that he wasn't able to pilot his own consciousness anymore. He became terrified. To make things worse, a large group of these small beings began running around the room. Whitley described feeling hopeless and began to believe that he was being taken away from his wife and son. As Whitley fell further into a recessed part in his mind, he remembers bits and pieces of his time in this room. The colors were predominantly tan and gray. It seemed that he was sitting on a bench of sorts. There were clothes laying around, and he had a feeling that the place was dirty. The strangest thing that he remembered was that when he attempted to focus his sight on one of the beings, the picture in his eyes seemed to blur and distort the more specific details of their forms. One of these beings was seated on each side of him, and another one stood in front of him as it extended a box with a sliding lid towards Whitley. As the box opened, he saw a very thin, needle-like object laying on a black surface, and as if he, they had responded to his thoughts concerning what they were going to do with that needle, it somehow became very clear to him that their intentions were to put it in his brain. Somehow, his thoughts rushed out of his mouth and he found that he was able to speak. He remembers being very upset and begging them not to do what they wanted to do. He imagined his wife waking up to a man in a vegetative state and apparently began to scream. Because the next thing he remembers is a voice coming from the being in front of him asking him what they could do to make him stop screaming. His response to this question left him embarrassed as he remembers himself saying, let me smell you. The one to his right replied, oh, okay, I can do that, and raised its arm to Whitley's nose. 
Whitley claims that the ability to smell the being made the event feel more real. He remembers that between the cloth that it was wearing and its skin, the smells reminded him of cardboard and a hint of cinnamon. And the next thing he knew, there was a bang and flash, and he knew that they had completed their task of putting that thing into his brain. He started to cry and began to fall forward before being caught by numerous tiny arms. Whitley began to feel himself gain the ability to move slightly, and his consciousness started to feel normal again. But the next thing he knew, he was in a different room, laying on a table with observation stands surrounding him, with a few beings sitting among these seats. Altogether, he remembers four different beings from that night. One, a being that he described as a small robot-like being which first entered his room. Two, the next he described as short and stocky, wearing blue coveralls with pug-like noses and dark gray or blue faces with wide slit mounts. These ones were always around, and he believed that they were responsible for moving him. The third being he discovered in the room, and looked nothing like a human at all, this one was about five feet tall and slender. Their mouths were extremely small, and their eyes were large and very deep black. And the last ones were small, with very round black eyes. These were the ones sitting around him in the room that he was now in. The memories of what happened in this observation room were something that Whitley unfortunately does not remember. But after this room, he found himself in another room, once again lying on his back, only this time. Two of the stocky creatures were spreading his legs and shoved an enormous, gray, ugly, scaly thing into his ass. During the entire experience, this is the only time that Whitley remembers feeling anger. Before the entire ordeal was over, one being grabbed his right hand and made an incision, and the next thing he remembers is waking up on the morning of December 27th. I was muted, but I was dying. <laughs> <laughs> at what? At getting something shoved up his ass? Oh yeah, it's great. <laughs> man, yeah. you like you like butt stuff, man. Every time we talk about butt stuff, you get you get it's funny. Happy. It it's is funny, man. Um, okay, so he sleepwalks. He has sleep paralysis and very vivid dreams. That's what it sounds like, right? To I That's mean, anybody. Any, <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot more to the story. And then there's a lot more. A liar. Okay. Yeah. He I'm not saying. His wife I'm... says, what, what are you doing in China? And he says, oh, I don't know. Liar. <laughs> um, so you may feel that way throughout this first part, but I'm pretty sure as we get going through other episodes that we will be doing on this story, uh, your, your, your view might change just a little bit. He's part of the illegal drug trade and he has to find a way to cover up his activities that have been going on. Why he's always <laughs> missing from home. And then they reached in, they grabbed a football full of meth yep, out of his right butt. Right out of his butt. <laughs> gotta shove it way up there. Way, way up, up there. there. <laughs> we're past where it gets warm and we'll start where it gets cool like a refrigerator. Way up there, Morty. (laughs) (laughs) Episode one. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Uh, It sounds sounds like this guy's kind of out of his mind. I mean, some of the like out-of-body experience stuff sounds legit, you know, but just sounds like 
This guy might be out of his mind right now. We think it. Either hallucinations or, like Jake said, some sleep paralysis and the whole nine yards there. Because, I don't know, this guy just sounds crazy to me. So well, far. Whitley Strieber is, I mean, there, there's people on both sides of this. I mean, obviously, right? I mean, there's people that'll take a picture of a blade of grass and throw six circles up there, claiming that Sasquatch is in this picture. Um, so it's not Jeff's legit like, without the red circles. Jeff is Duh. like, I'm tired of this fucking joke. <laughs> He's going to this fucking joke. Um, yeah. So there's there's people on both sides of the Whitley Struber fence. There's diehard believers. You know, there's there's people that. Uh, just like the Travis Walton story, fire in the sky. If any of you guys have ever heard that there's people that die hard, believe it. And then there's people that will sit there and fight it till their, their face turns blue. There is. I watched that movie. It was a decent movie and that's no more. It's all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There is an entire book written by a guy named Ed Conroy, uh, literally dissecting this book. There's a book about this book. Let's just mm. go that way. Um, and Whitley Strieber has even made communion into a series, right? Okay, so he documents further further um, incidents throughout his life. This is something that we probably will be visiting randomly at some point throughout the year. Um, the communion story kind of just doesn't end right now. It's it continues to this day. I know a lot of people out there are probably like, no, it doesn't. Well, the fact of the matter is, is that it does. Uh, the guy's got five books in this series that a lot of people don't even know about. So there's a reason to keep lying. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. he's selling books, dude. Come on. <laughs> they got a movie, man. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, man, I don't know because we get into some pretty crazy stuff, like, especially when we get into the hypnotherapy part. Uh, where a lot of this stuff comes out. And it's very reminiscent of Jake's favorite real movie ever, uh, The Fourth Kind, where Jake <laughs> Jake absolutely knows that it's 100% real. Uh... <laughs> you made me crazy with that when you're like, no, like they have the the person who was like being interviewed and stuff, and she's an actress. Like uh... <laughs> it's the whole thing is fake. You're right. When Hollywood right. says based I, on a true story, literally all that could mean is that there was a house that existed on that street. <laughs> like that's all it means. Everything else could be fake. I had to look it up and I felt pretty <laughs> dumb. Yes, you're right. So whatever. Based you on went. a true story because owls exist. <laughs> <laughs> no. <Or> do they? <laughs> um, so a, a lot of the communion story is reminiscent of the fourth kind or the fourth kind takes a lot of its story from communion. Uh, there, there's a lot here, a lot. And trust me, we just got started. So before we jump into anything further, does anybody else have uh, anything else to say? Yeah. At first I was really stuck on this. Let me smell you thing. But then once it got kind of explained there, it made a lot of sense. And I thought that was hilarious, but he was onto something there. <laughs> Just saying. How does he know that the thing that was shoved into his butt was gray? 
and scaly. Uh, he saw it. How? He felt it. He felt it. It was uh, very gray. Felt the color. Felt <laughs> <laughs> the color. Gray. <laughs> gray. I, it is said that you you've got like taste buds on on your butthole too. So you, you Gosh, never I know. You Wouldn't never know. Maybe he can taste colors. There's that's a thing. <laughs> Just say it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna call that. BS. <laughs> I don't know. That's just something I heard. <laughs> Did you imagine them playing the game? Be like, okay, what color is this one? <laughs> Could you just imagine having taste buds on your anus? Wow. <laughs> Tasting shit every time you poop? I know, right? Ugh. Holy, holy moly. I don't know the science behind Whoa. it. That's just what I heard. <laughs> I know science, you can funnel you know. alcohol into your butt and get completely shammered. Yeah, but that's because it like soaks into your skin or whatever and bypasses your kidneys. Shammered. Just butt chugging a beer on a Friday night. That's called boofing. Boofing. <laughs> <laughs> Fun fact. Jeff is just anyways pushing his head in disapproval. <laughs> He's like these these people laughing at my favorite activity. <laughs> Jeff, we would love your input here. I just I feel attacked, honestly. Calls it, calls it boofing with the boys. He's like, it's <laughs> like he's over there. He's like, oh it's goodness. not called boofing. These guys are dumb. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not what me and the boys call it. Yeah, we just call it butt chugging, man. Butt chugging, cheesing. Oh on. goodness gracious! <laughs> oh, thanks, yeah, South so... Park. Now I know what cheesing is. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, you guys ready to hear a little bit more of the story? Ready. All right. I think yep. We're like almost halfway through it already. <laughs> nice. A third. We're a third. All right. So let's talk about the next morning. Um, now, one thing to understand about this situation is that Whitley did not remember the events of the night of the 26th right away. That would come later. Well, what he did remember very vividly was a t- time during the night that a barn owl sat on his roof outside of his window and stared at him. The first thing he did that morning was go to the window and look at the spot that the owl had been sitting, but there were no signs. Uh, the owl was never there. No tracks or indent in the newly fallen snow. After relaying the event with the owl to his wife, she quickly dismissed it as a simple dream since there were no traces of such a critter. Before we continue, I want to bring up a topic that is very common in alien abduction stories. We have mentioned the phenomenon called screen memories a few times on the show and i have plans to do an entire episode or series of episodes on the phenomenon sometime in 2023 but for now i'll just give you a short description of what a screen memory is in many recollections of victims of alien abduction events before the memory of the true event is revealed by means of hypnotherapy or the natural regaining of memories a remembrance of a specific object or animal is remembered as a very odd and or unique visitor to the victim Screen memories are thought to be a blocking mechanism that the mind uses to protect the sanity of a victim that either witnessed or lived through a traumatic experience. Another theory is that these memories are left by the visiting entity as a way to protect their actions from recognition from their victims. Among many of these screen memories, the most common symbol remembered is an owl or a group of owls. More on this subject in a future episode of Infinite Rabbit Hole. Now, later that same day, Whitley and his wife were coming home from a short trip 
across of cross country skiing when Whitley was overcome with a chill and exhaustion. He would head to the room and lay down bundled up in a quilt. As he was laying there freezing, their neighbors stopped by, and Whitley would get up and talk with them alongside his wife, and as if he didn't have control of his speech, he reiterated a memory from the night prior of a snowmobile light in the woods between their houses. Whitley was shocked that he was discussing something that he clearly didn't actually remember, but instead had a very hazy and distant memory of an event that he didn't actually feel like he witnessed. This event really concerned Whitley as he felt as if he was not in control of his own speech, thoughts, or memory. So, much shorter than the last one. What do you guys... So you're saying that he didn't remember it. <laughs> not right until away, Until no. he was, I don't know, writing a book about it? <laughs> Is that what you're saying? No. Also, owls, just like the fourth kind. <laughs> that super realistic movie. Anyways... So, Anyways. as we dive more into alien abduction stories, you guys will see a common denominator when it comes to screen memories. Owls. It happens mm. all the time. There is a, Owls a, equal bad news. Owls equal gray, scaly things up your butt. What if... The, maybe it's an that owl too. foot. <laughs> an owl foot. Gray maybe it was scaly. an owl. Maybe it was an entire owl <laughs> just shoved it right yes. up there. Um, what about in areas where people have never seen owls before? Mm. Because owls don't exist everywhere. Yeah. Uh, in uh, those, the, those the plains of Africa. No, no, no. In the plains of Africa, they see barn owls. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I was going to say. I was waiting for it. I mean, it's interesting because... Um, I mean, there's like some occult connections with owls and stuff, right? But maybe this guy is having some uh, altered state of conscious, right? We've been talking about this with the gateway process stuff, right? Maybe he is having some form of altered consciousness event. Call it astral projection or uh, some weird sleep paralysis or whatever it is. It sounds like he might be having this and he might be actually communicating with some entities while in this state as well, because that, you know, I mean, think about like the Bohemian Grove, right? The right. owl, the Moloch, the statue Moloch, of Moloch. Yes. And like, there's just a lot of that. And the owl is everywhere, even in like pop culture, it's kind of like spread around. So if you're in the conspiracies, you know, you see an owl and you're like, oh shit. Because they, the- they're head turns all the way around they see everything that's why I mean, there's a lot of theories on why and shit but you know i think that it's it's the same thing like when you're uh there's a lot of people that talk about seeing like the elves right in the dmt realm when you take ayahuasca and dmt i think it's like the same kind of thing when you're in this altered state of consciousness everybody's kind of seeing an entity or communicating with a type of entity and the only thing that they can say like it is is like an owl it looks like an owl, right? So the owl becomes this thing, and people around the world might see that same thing. So here goes a question, right? You brought up you brought up a couple of really good points, and I honestly thought you were going to go down this path, especially after the gateway process episodes. This is actually a, a pretty good good follow up to that. For those who don't really have a interest, let's say in in ufology or aliens, um, elves. You know, if you saw one of these creatures, one of these 
things that Whitley is explaining as little green men, um, elves fit fit it right. But if you're somebody who is interested in this, um, I haven't said this yet, but Whitley Streber is also a science fiction writer. Oh, well, this kind of um, goes. That goes into like, I forgot what episode it was when I like blew li- the lid off of you know UFOs and aliens and all that sort of stuff, and talked about how Hollywood's influence, based off of what movies they put out, was then shown in people's visions when they saw the aliens. Like Hollywood yeah. puts out gray aliens with big eyes, and then suddenly you get an influx of people saying that they saw gray aliens with big eyes, but prior to that, no one ever said that. And so it's like, well, I mean, if you're already involved in all that stuff, then it would make sense that that's what you saw when you were dreaming or what you made up that you saw. Right. And, you know, to be fair, Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out in 1977, and the story is from 86. I believe is is the year that Whitley was having these these dreams, nightmares, whatever you want to call them, right? Yeah, because I mean I have nightmares about work, you know, yeah, doing you paperwork and stuff. You know, his his work is science fiction writing. Of course, he's gonna have dreams about it. But you know what I'm <laughs> what I'm saying. I, you know, that's a good question. Was Whitley doped up, man? Was he doing ayahuasca in Maine? Probably not. DMT. Uh... Maybe. I mean, you don't do ayahuasca unless you're in a sweat lodge. That's like. No, but your brain. You this, is something, this is something that your brain can produce the same, the same uh, chemical reaction, right? So, like, um, he could have just been in a deep sleep and had, like, a, just for whatever reason, his brain fired off more of the shit that makes you dream, right? And, like, he could have been having this real connection, a real consciousness altering deep sleep. And some right. like See, serious listen, REM. We, we, as of, as of us recording this, we haven't recorded the next part of gateway, but I'm sure you browsed ahead in the document, Jeremy, you saw that there's a, a section for REM sleep. So I may or may not have, there's some connections with yes. REM sleep and like, <laughs> the astral realm so maybe he is i take back what i first said about him being crazy (laughs) as as you were reading through that part that's kind of what i was thinking too like this could be some serious rem even maybe not even sleep paralysis but some serious rem well i'm gonna be honest with you without doing the gateway process stuff that we've been doing um i honestly thought that this was a really cool um probably stretched out you know the truth is stretched out a little bit uh alien abduction story but who knows maybe his brain waves were just all synced up man good possibility you're right maybe probably not it was probably meth but probably what i mean mm-hmm. science fiction writers what do people usually do in any sort of art form in order to get more inspiration drugs yeah drugs and shoving lots, things up their ass lots of drugs yeah tons of drugs 
some of the best artists in the Wait world. Wait a minute. This whole drugs. experience could have just been that. Maybe he just took drugs and ended up at like some weird swinger orgy and they were <laughs> <laughs> you know, like shoving owls up butts, you know? This guy I mean, this guy had a uh, a sculpture of an of a dragon egg and he shoved it up my butt. It tasted gray. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, all i'm saying is one time long ago 10 years ago or more maybe now i you know may have done something and then like the next morning i found a receipt for joe's crab shack and like i could oh, vaguely remember that is a if you're gonna black out any place joe's crab shack <laughs> right except for when you saw the total on the receipt and i was like oh right so but yeah, I mean, it's possible. Maybe that's happened. Maybe he just had a rager and just woke up the <laughs> next day and just totally mixed up the memory. And he's like, oh my God, dude. Ended up triple dosing himself. This guy's watching Game of Thrones. And when they bust out the dragon egg, he's like sweating, looking at the screen. <laughs> 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 Having flashbacks from Nom. <laughs> oh boy. That one, that one looks black, but it looks like it probably tastes purple. Talking to a psych thing, like I don't know why he, I had such a crazy anxiety attack watching Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, this is going to be a fun series. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a good one. Are you guys ready for some more? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, the symptoms of evidence through the upcoming weeks. Whitley's attitude really deteriorated towards his wife and son. He became very concerned over the memories that he believed were not his. He began to believe that they were false memories. Whitley soon noticed that a cut on one of his forefingers was becoming agitated and showing signs of infection. Although he doesn't remember it, he believed that he must have gotten a splinter from the wood he had to bring into the cabin. Along with the pain throbbing from an injury to his finger that he did not remember getting, there you go, Jake. Whitley also began suffering soreness in and around his butthole. Bouts of fatigue and flu-like symptoms became a regular occurrence, and although he knew he was getting plenty of sleep, he would wake up feeling as if he had gotten no sleep at all. Whitley began to start feeling as if he was being watched. He would hear sounds in the darkness of his room at night and would no longer have dreams while he was asleep. He became withdrawn and weary of everybody as if they were all against him. He failed to be able to focus on anything for longer than 10 minutes, and his relationship with his wife and son were really falling apart. On January 3rd, during a short skiing stroll with his wife, Whitley began having a very dull pain behind his right ear. As his wife examined the area, she noticed that a very small scab was dead center in the middle of the area that Whitley was complaining about. Shortly after, Whitley began remembering short and vivid memories of the night that would change his life. These scared him, and as the memories became longer and more intense, Whitley began to believe that he may be harboring a brain tumor. The symptoms lined up perfectly with when he began to receive traces of the smell that he believed came from the memories of alien beings. He waited as he did not want to believe the fear that was racing through his mind, and he often cried. But later on the 3rd, Whitley's wife brought a newspaper article from the Middletown, New York Recorder newspaper that described the sightings of many locals that saw unidentified lights in the sky in the previous nights. Although the newspaper claimed it was all a hoax, this became very serious to Whitley, 
as he began to believe that his false memories from the hypothetical tumor in his head were actually true. The memories of the cut on his finger, the pain in his butthole, and the throbbing behind his right ear all began to become much more real. The 18-year-old son of one of their neighbors claimed that on the night in late December, he had witnessed a large something hovering in the sky just five miles away from the Strieber's cabin. The boy never claimed that it was a stereotypical UFO, only that it was not something that he recognized. Huge. It had lights all over it and appeared to be a solid object in the night sky. So, the initial dream that he had or the initial uh, experience that he had, he um, was sitting in the woods in a cleared out spot. Uh, snow was gone and he remembered uh, them doing something to the right side of his head. Uh, they also uh, jammed a needle into the right side of his head. They made an incision on his finger and they shoved something up his butt. Way up there. Coincidences? Yep. <laughs> or butt checking. I want to make a connection. Butt checking for sure. He's saying big eyes, blue or green skin or gray. Blue or gray. Skin, gray. Right. Yep. Um dealing with buttholes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kappa. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Throw it all the way. Done. Was there body water oh, there? Probably. It was probably. in Maine, a cabin, probably on a on a lake. Yeah. Buttholes. Done. Um <laughs> Was it a splinter or a cut? Because those are two different things. No, he said he believed he had a splinter. That's that. That's where... Hey, everybody. Bear with us while we take this quick break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He was trying to make up reasons reasons for the issues that he was going through. Trying to rationalize it. Right. It, yeah. He never had a splinter. He never saw a splinter, but he believed that he may have had a splinter from one of the times that he had to bring wood into the cabin. Because, I, I mean, look, I have a very active lifestyle. I'm, like, building a motorcycle, all kinds of stuff, right? And I cut myself all the time. And I'm not, like, living in an area where I have to, like, get firewood and stuff, but I imagine you'd be susceptible to the same sort of injuries and i usually don't know that i have like a little hairline cut or something like that until i get something in it like acetone right <laughs> or something like that yeah. and then i'm like wow that really sucks but you know if your your hands are constantly dirty then really any level of cut could become infected because it's just about having an exposed wound and then getting stuff in it um and then not noticing it i mean I don't know. I don't think that that's a huge deal. Hmm. Um, the know. brain tumor thing. I mean, that sucks if he has a brain tumor. Well, you, he originally thought that that was the case. I mean, honestly, I, th I feel like that's a a pretty easy comparison. You know, that's that's something that you could easily come to if you're having issues like this. You know, 
fuck? Before the brain tumor part came up, it actually, to me, started sounding like this guy's got a little bit of split personality going on. Mm-hmm. And he has, he's waking up feeling exhausted like that because he dissociates and is the other person and doesn't realize it and goes yeah. off and gallivants doing his butt stuff and then comes home <laughs> exhausted once <laughs> wakes up Whitley again <laughs> right his wife's like where are you going <laughs> where are you going Whitley and he's like the name's Dave and he yeah. disappears into the night I have to go <sighs> ride my snowmobile between yeah. <laughs> Captain remember, Cornhole yeah you guys remember that movie me, me myself and Irene yes, yes. yeah <laughs> 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 oh boy! Uh, he goes and gets a butthole chin. Me, myself, and Whitley. <laughs> like he's like, where did this come from? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't for me. Oh boy! <laughs> Very well. We have fun here. Good. Well, we're uh, getting it all the way. We had to taper it down and be so professional for so long. Now it's just letting it go. I know. It's more organic this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. You guys oh, ready for boy, some more oh, then? Boy. Yeah, I'm ready for more. Yeah. That was good, Jeff. Very good. <laughs> all right. An area of sky high strangeness. All of the events that have been happening to and around Whitley and his wife, Anne, caused them to begin looking further into the phenomenon on a local scale. One of Anne's close friends even admitted to the couple that in 1953, when she was only nine years old, she had witnessed a UFO at the camp, not 10 minutes away from their cabin. The Strebers would find out that the area they spent half of their time at was a UFO hotspot, to say the least. According to Whitley in his book Communion, the area where their cabin was in upstate New York that comprised of Westchester Orange, Putnam, Rockland, and Ulster counties. Starting in 1983, thousands of people have come forward from many different backgrounds and professions about unidentified phenomena in the skies. Meteorologists, FAA employees, police officers, and pilots to name a few. One meteorologist had been quoted in a New York Times article from April 17, 1983, recounting his experience with a craft that hovered about 100 yards above his position in the sense of being scanned and rejected. The official narrative by the press and local government about this flap of UFO sightings ranged everywhere from test craft to tricksters playing jokes on the public, even with thousands of reports blowing flowing into multiple sources throughout the area, many different entities were quick to blame the events on something else. All right, guys. So. (laughs) Nice flap usage. You like that? I do. I put that in there for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Hear that, Asher's flap. Flap, (laughs) Asher's flap. Flap. When's the last time you sent her a flap message? I'll do one. I'll do one tonight. (laughs) (laughs) um so what do you guys think uh this place is a known ufo hotspot and i did some research it is i there's you know even from past the time when whitley was supposed to be having this uh experience or these experiences in this area um this is a known ufo hotspot upstate new york 
where these counties all meet. Uh, this is it's a good place to take out the telescopes or sit on top on the roof at night and uh, watch the skies. So I've said it before and I'll say it again. I think that, you know, there's a reason that there's hot spots for all this shit. And that's because that the earth is uh, got hot spots for shit. Right. So it's possible that being in that area, in this hot spot, right in this place in time, you're just more likely to experience some weird consciousness altering phenomena, right? This You're in this portal houses hmm. built there, whatever. And this portal might move. I think that this might be why the ancients built, you know, temples and shit where they built them was because that's where these areas were at the time and they move, you know? So now over here, it's a UFO hotspot because with our, analytical minds and with our like the way we look at the world and how we've built technology right we we look at shit like that right so anytime mm -hmm. you see some weird phenomena in the sky you're like that's an alien spacecraft and it's like no 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 no. they whatever you're thinking of as an alien doesn't operate like that right like it's in your mind or consciousness dimensions weird interdimensional stuff like you're just in a spot where it's more active hmm so I am looking at a a ley line map, and there is a really big cluster uh, right near Buffalo, Buffalo, New York. And I'm curious, I haven't looked on a map yet to see where, uh, let's say, these um, counties are. I'm going to look it up real quick and see if I can't. Yeah, that kind of that kind of research right there is super interesting to me, like overlaying locations for stuff with ley line maps and who knows how accurate like random ley line maps you can find on the Internet are or whatever. But, hmm. you know, so I, actually Putnam County is not too far from New York City, so it's it's not that close to um, it, it wouldn't be necessarily. A, you know a ley line intersection a ley line goes over it but it's not an intersection area so i don't disagree entirely with jeff hmm. although these days i mean who's to say you know at night that what <clears throat> you're seeing is a quote-unquote ufo or uap or Whatever it is. I mean, we see the displays they do these days with uh, drones and stuff like that, making crazy like light shows and stuff in the sky and everything. I mean, who's to say that it's not a big old drone that's flying over just to trip people out and more seed the idea of like aliens and UFOs and stuff versus demonic activity, which it most certainly is. So I don't, I don't buy the drone thing. Like who's who's going out there and putting the effort to... I don't mean like a like an individual. No, I know. Like I get it. it. Local government, I don't know. Big government. Um that's who's that's to like... say that who's to say that a drone can't can't fly? I mean, they just I saw a thing on LinkedIn. I think it was uh Lockheed put it out something about like the first drone stealth plane. Hmm. So if you got to think a stealth bomber with drone capabilities it um can plus we have drones right the the MQ8s we saw those in our in our last command so who's to say those can't go 100 miles 
tethered well, to wherever they're being controlled by and stuff like that. And people see the, those and they're just like aliens. The Navy has the Triton, which is a drone airplane. I don't know if it's stealth. I don't know what the the designator is for it either. Um, I can try to find it out real quick, but I mean, uh, it's it's not necessarily like a oh the MQ4 Charlie. Uh, it's by Northrop, but it's not like one of the, the hovering drones. This is like a, a straight plane drone, right? I don't know, man. And that, that, that's one of the the big hiccups that I have for Project Bluebeam. Right is who's gonna put in that kind of effort? I know Jeff's gonna be like, "Well, the fuck government does, dumbass." That's what I've been telling you. Um, like, if the cost, just, if the cost was great enough, if, I don't know, man. I just or no, just, if if sorry, not the cost. If the reward no, was listen, great enough, listen, listen, listen. You don't what you don't understand. What well, you do understand. You're just not thinking about is the surplus. <laughs> you're not thinking about the the end of the year surplus or the end of the. I don't know how they do it in the military, but you know what I'm saying. Right. October first, yes. Your department's gonna get X dollars, right? That you've requested for whatever programs you're mm-hmm. doing, right? Now, oh shit, we didn't really need this much, but we can't tell them that. In fact, yeah. we need more, right? So we gotta spend <laughs> this shit. And after like 70 years of that, right, now here we are. That's why we're in trillions of dollars worth of debt, because billions and trillions of dollars are just getting fed into these black budget programs that nobody knows about to do all kinds of random weird shit just like this for no reason at all other than just let's see what happens you know that whitley guy let's uh let's take him and shove something up his butt (laughs) (laughs) or implant memories inside of his head that yeah yeah exactly that he got something shoved up his butt or that you know he just got his brain wired around so he's shoving things in his own butt and waking up being like why is my butt hurt and why does my fist smell like butt you know (laughs) just let's let's convince the right hemisphere of whitley's brain that his butt hurts oh goodness but it doesn't you they could do it right we know that they could do it and who's to say they can't do it remotely from like a van parked outside or a satellite right or whatever plane flying overhead or a spacecraft well, well, see, and I was flying saucer. I was just gonna make this really simple and say he's just fucking crazy. <laughs> I personally don't think that that's the case. I mean, he just wanted and, to make up a story and wanted to feel special because everybody else is having alien encounters. I want one too. I'm a sci-fi writer. Why can't I have an alien encounter? Exactly. So, exactly. Oh, they do something He's with just your, they crazy. probe you. I'll I'll step one up. Yeah, they shoved a fire hydrant in my butt. Ooh. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> this guy is just crazy and wants attention. I I do have to say though, I don't know if I actually put this out on the show. Did I ever talk about like the uh, the seal that shot Bin Laden on here? Mm-mm. Okay, I watched I watched like a two hour thing, two and a half hour thing on YouTube about it, and it was, uh, basically this guy was talking about like the whole the whole thing, the whole shebang. This is how we did it, you know, why one helicopter crashed, you know, all that sort of stuff. He said that, you know, it was, it was really brief. Maybe it was like a three minute thing. I think I took a a screen recording of it and I sent it to you guys. But he said that. The pilots who flew the helicopters that when they were they were briefing uh, Obama in the in the White House that they he was getting all like the full scope. This is what we're going to plan to do. This is where we believe that um, uh, 
you know, the guy's at, and then this is who we're going to send, all that sort of stuff. They're in the briefing room. And Obama says, okay, well, that's it, you know, or somehow you're going to get there. And he said, well, that's the other thing. And then they briefed Obama on these super-duper stealth Blackhawk helicopters that he had never heard of before. And they said, this is what we're going to use. The pilots who flew those helicopters had never seen them before. They knew the functions of the helicopters because it was a Blackhawk variant, but they had never seen these helicopters before. They were so quiet that they got into the compound, and the only time that the bad guys knew that they were there was when they put blast charges on the doors. And we, you know how loud those things are. We both worked on, you know, MH60s. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, like how... So, like, an MH60... No idea. And, and the guy's like, how is that possible? And he's like, I don't know, freaking alien stuff. And it's just, like, you know, just kind of, like, that. I don't know, you know, no clue. But if there's that level of technology where active duty military and we're working on helicopters and we're like dang these things are super loud i don't know how they use these things for stealth missions at all um yeah. and then they have some alien tech like that you know it sounds like and what's to say that they can't be doing this or they can't be implanting memories and stuff if that technology level that even we're used to in the military and they got stuff that's you know we would say is 50 to 100 years advanced because how are you going to cut down on the sound of you know helicopter blades you know, cracking through the air and stuff. That's why they make that chopping sound. Plus the engine noise. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of coat it all in foam, you know, <laughs> like how, how are you going to do this? But somehow that's a thing. So I thought that it was super interesting and that kind of changed my perspective on what the government actually can do versus what we speculate they can and can't do. So, I mean, if it was flown like a 60, Right. Uh, for those that don't know what an MH-60 is, MH-60 is basically Sikorsky's midsize attack helicopter, right? Uh, or transport helicopter. It could be outfitted for anything. It's literally like a, a Lego set. You can plug and play anything you want in, into it and uh, customize it to to do any kind of mission out there, right? The the Navy has Seahawks. The, the Army has Blackhawks. The, the Air Force has Chairhawks and... You know the Marines have something too. <laughs> you like that? Yeah. Um. So, M A sixty, they're in every branch. Uh, very popular model. Um. So the Blackhawks. When someone says Blackhawks, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about the M A sixties. Um. It could be various types of letters behind or after the the sixty. Uh. Jake and I worked on S's, Sierras. Um. But these are not quiet aircraft. And to think that the government has something that is a, a 60 variant that is super quiet that nobody knows about, that's shocking. I don't know. You said that, that this guy said it in an interview with who? Um, I don't know. I'll send you guys the clip, but it's he probably was probably fucking Rogan being in inter- No, it wasn't Rogan. Uh. But he was just being interviewed, and uh, he was just going through the whole story. It's finally been declassified, so he could talk about it. He... I think I remember you sending a clip to the chat. There's, I remember seeing something along those lines. Hmm. And I was very interested by it, but I was also very distracted by work after that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Let's see. Well, anyways, Jeff, you got anything there? 
bedtime. Uh, no. Uh, the consciousness idea, but no. Okay. You guys ready to move on? Yep. Um, it's uh, Joe Budin TV. It's the, the YouTube page. Hmm. Yeah. I'll take a look at that. That's interesting. All right. Next. A believer. After staying in the cabin just past the new year, the Streber's headed back to New York City. Whitley continued to dive deeper into depression. Tired of the strange events that played in his waking daydreams, he considered ending his life by jumping out of his window. This understandably scared him, so he forced himself to read one of such books that he chose to read in his darkest hour was a book gifted to him by a family friend called science and the UFOs by Peter Warrington. In this book, there was mention of a researcher from New York city by the name of Bud Hopkins and out of pure desperation, Whitley found Bud's number in the phone book and called him halfway through Whitley's telling his story. Mr. Hopkins stopped him and asked for Whitley to come over to his home. Whitley, of course, obliged, and the two men met face-to-face for a more personal exchange of information. The exchange began with Hopkins explaining that he was not a therapist in any way, but but that if Whitley wanted more answers, he could put him in touch with someone that could help. When all of Whitley's story was told, Mr. Hopkins replied, You're not alone. There are many cases spanning the globe just like yours. Whitley began to cry with joy that this was not an experience unique to him and quickly switched gears from being afraid of the memories to now wanting to understand the events that he had gone through. The night ended with a question from Bud Hopkins. The inquiry was asked if Whitley could remember any time in the past that he had a similar event happen. Whitley had at first said no, but there was one event in October that sort of haunted him. An event that took place at his cottage, while having two guests stay with his family. On October 4th of 1985, a little more than 80 days before the events that changed his life, Whitley was traveling to his family's cabin with his wife, Anne, son, and two friends, Jacques Sandalusku and Annie Gottlieb. By the time they had arrived there, after a quick stop at a local restaurant, the party had enough energy for a glass of wine, then everyone gladly retired to their rooms for the night. Whitley stayed up for about an hour reading a book and then turned off his reading light and fell asleep. At some point in the middle of the night, Whitley was startled awake and was shocked to see a solid blue light through the bedroom door, strongly illuminating in his living room. He remembers going through all the possibilities of what it could be, including one of his friends or son being awake, and they had turned on the light, but that wasn't right. The color of the light was too blue and clean. Uh, then it, you would be surprised that uh, it could have been someone looking into the cabin with a flashlight, but the light was too steady. It wasn't sweeping around. It was just there. He watched as the light seemed to slowly move from inside of his house and his living room to his front yard. His mind settled on the possibility that there was a fire on his roof or in his chimney and drifted back off to sleep. He remembers that in his dreams he became frantic that the house was on fire. He knew that it didn't make much sense, but that is what he believed. Sometime during the stretch of sleep, there was a loud rapport that forced him and his wife awake and caused his son to scream from his own downstairs, or from his room downstairs. The sound reminded him of firecrackers. Whitley jumped out of bed, pissed off at himself that he fell asleep with the roof on fire, and now, in his mind, 
It was so bad that it had spread to his son's room. He ran out of his room, yelling that the cabin was on fire. As he exited the room, he realized that the bluish glow was still in his cabin. And when he left his room, he ran right into it before it completely and suddenly disappeared. After comforting his guest and his son, Whitley went back to bed and woke up the next morning with only a very vague memory of a light and an explosion. It's so, pronounced it's pronounced Jock. No, Jacques. Jacques. It's Jack it's Jack 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 Hughes. Jacqui. 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 Jacques. Jacques. <laughs> it's all Jacques. Listen, man. Yeah, oh, my second definitely... language is French, and I still wouldn't even attempt that. So, I, uh... this guy's definitely uh, having some kind of hallucination, or like I said, you know, his, his, this is in his mind for sure. He's seeing something. I don't think anything's actually physically happening to this guy. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. You'd have to think that if it was physically happening to him, then it would be physically happening to everyone else as well. At least well... the visual stuff. You guys ready for the next part? Want to just jump into it? I'm down. I think this is the last one, actually, for this episode, so Jeff will like that. Jeff, you always just want to go to sleep. There was cat butt in your screen. Yeah, there is cat butt in the screen. It's just, you know, I got I to get up early for work and everything. You know? I know, I know. All right. Uh, don't look for memories. On February 6th, 1986, Whitley came home from his from visiting Bud Hopkins' house. Remember the researcher from just down the road in New York City? And immediately asked his wife, Anne, if she had remembered anything strange from the night of October 4th. This night was very easy for him to point out to her because it was the last time that Jacques, Jacques uh, and Annie had visited them at their cabin upstate. To his disbelief, she said that the only thing she remembers from that night was that Whitley had come back to bed and said that he must have been wrong about the fire before they both went back to sleep. Whitley then turned his attention to his son. When he asked him about that night, his son replied, yeah, the night with the bang. Then immediately followed up by saying a bunch of people told me it was okay. You just threw your shoe at a fly. Frightened, Whitley replied, what people? In which his son replied, just a bunch of people who were know around whitley's first response was to call bud hopkins back and tell him about what his wife and son had told him bud's reply was to not ask his son what he remembered from that night but to ask him about his dreams from that night instead whitley did just that and to his surprise his son answered well i dreamed that a bunch of little doctors took me out on the porch and put me on a cot i got scared and they started saying we won't hurt you over and over in my head that was the strangest dream because it was just like it was real. It happened in the middle of another dream when I was dreaming that me and Ezra, a friend of his, were in a boat. His son's report of his dream that night scared him. and He was mad and worried about what had happened to his son. He attempted to make sense of this event. What if he and his son were having shared dreams or that they were somehow physically connected during their sleep or uh, psychically or psychologically sorry psychologically connected during their sleep but being a man that didn't that did not believe in such occurrences whitley started to believe that he and his son were victims of something far stranger a little while later whitley reached out to his friend uh jack hughes to ask him about the night of october 4th uh jackie remembered the night 
that it was so bright that he had to look at his watch to make sure that they didn't oversleep. But uh, Jack did not remember the night coming from within the cabin, but from outside the window in the room. He told Whitley that it was so bright that it seemed like daytime. And, and he could clearly see the tree trunks of the tree line out of the window. And then he remembered, or uh, I'm sorry, then he explained that once he heard Whitley shouting, the light disappeared and it was night again. Immediately after talking to Hawkwiz, Whitley called Annie, the other guest from that night. Annie clearly remembered the bang. But then she said that immediately after the bang, she heard fast, soft footsteps coming from the area over the room that she and Jacques were staying in. This was Whitley and Anne's room, by the way. Anne explained that she thought, or Annie, not Anne, Annie explained that she knew that Whitley and Anne had cats, so this that is what she assumed it was, but Whitley explained that they never brought their cats to the cabin with them. Annie was surprised by that uh, because she could have sworn it sounded like a few cats were running away from whatever made the loud noise. Annie then followed up this realization by telling Whitley that the next morning he had told her that the noise was just a diamond-shaped spacecraft and little aliens coming to visit us. Whitley couldn't believe his ears and even got a bit angry that his friend could say such a thing. Whitley hung up the phone, and this is when he really began to believe that something truly frightening happened to him and his family and his friends on the night of October 4th, 1985. The end of part one. Mm, okay. Is there anybody on record saying that I experienced these things too, or is this just a book that he wrote where he's saying that my son also experienced these things? We will have to get into that later. So it's just him. Okay. Yep. <laughs> um, now, before we kind of dive into the, you know, the rest of our opinions here and everything, uh, I just want to point out uh, to talk a little bit more about his fiction writing. He wrote a book in 1978 by the title of The Wolfen. Um, it tells the story of two police detectives in New York City who are involved in investigating suspicious deaths across the city by canine type walking creatures like werewolves, right? Mm -hmm. uh, 1981, he comes out with a movie called The Hunger, a plot that involves a beautiful and wealthy vampire. They were both made into films, by the way. And then he makes a horror novel called Black Magic in 1982 and The Night Church in 1983. 1985. Oh, I'm sorry. 1984, he writes War Day, um, which is the dangers of uh, nuclear warfare. And in 1986, he makes a book or writes a book called Nature's End. It's about an environmental apocalypse. And also in, in 85, he, he writes uh, Wolf of Shadows, a young adult novel set in the aftermath of a nuclear war. So nothing that he wrote necessarily was about aliens until afterwards. After this uh, series of events is when he starts writing about aliens. I have a book. I believe it was it came out in 96. I can probably just look it up. Uh, pretty sure it came out in 97 called The Greys, which is a fictional book. Well, it's portrayed as fiction about gray aliens. When did he start writing this book? Communion? 
Yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Because that's more important. Because he could say the events happen whenever they happened, right? But right. it depends on when he started writing the book. Um, I don't know. I don't even know when the book came out. Hold on. Yeah, so basically what I'm getting at is that if he's making this up and the idea of gray aliens is already out there, I mean, this could have been, let's just say I, I could write a book today and say when I was 15. I have your answer, Jeremy. This happened. What, what's the answer? Communion, a true story. First publication date was February 25th, 1987. Yep, I just seen that. Okay, so this was two years February, I was like, this is a year. And February 25 is what year, this says here. A year and a couple months after the event, or the events, is when he put out puts out communion. So he was probably writing it throughout the, the following year, which is about how long it takes to write a book, especially back then. So what do you guys think? The first two stories of communion are done. We met Whitley. We know... What communion's about? What do you guys think? My opinion still stands the same as it has most of this episode. I think he's mentally ill and wanted some attention. <laughs> I don't think he's mentally ill. I think that he's just a really dang good author. Think so? Yeah. Let's use myself as the, like, from his perspective, let's use myself as the main character for this going on the sci-fi trend. I wonder when uh, Star Trek first came out. Any Trekkies here? No. But it's just like, what if that was the angle of, you know, kind of like a... 1966. Autobiography of my life, but as if I was being abducted by aliens and stuff. Hmm. I don't know, man. We'll have to dive into more of the evidence and more of the story. Because yeah, I mean, I, more story. I don't know how many people would, if it actually happened to them, would admit that they were getting just, you know, just rammed every night by the aliens. <laughs> you know, oh. I mean, that sounds Goodness gracious. sounds a little bit skeptical. You know, people won't even tell you if they've had like acne treatment before. Like most people right. won't just be like, just writing a book. And then I woke up every day and my anus was so sore. <laughs> Tasted so gray and skinny. Yeah. Yeah. As red as the Sahara. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, hilarious. hilarious. Every stop sign I passed on my way to work and I could just picture my abuse <laughs> 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 hole. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like if you read his book, he talks about it for two chapters straight about his butthole. <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I, I've thrown out all my opinions on it, and uh, but yeah, I don't know. even if it, it it turns out he's just a really dang good at, um, author or whatever, you know. I mean, if you can get a five book series out of something that you made up, you know, good on you. I mean, but that being said, right off the bat just from the initial stuff, I didn't hear anything in there that was worthy of writing down for five books. So either this these events happened to him for like a, a decade plus and he just kept writing it down or he just kept coming up with more and more and more story to put out. 
Well, so I can't really say that I've ever read the other books, but as I read them, I will report on them. That's going to be like some of the follow up episodes to this mm. is to kind of talk about uh, Whitley and his his books furthering the communion story. But from what I understand, it's they're more descriptions. So he does get further into the whole purpose of them being here, who they are, where they come from, all of that. And it's not just him taking his story and creating a new one off of it. I again, I don't know. I know yeah. that there is a very, very popular follow-up to communion. Because that's almost what I would expect the guy to do. Right. Most most abduction stories that I almost buy are very brief. They just describe what happened, what I saw, and they put it out on like the news or they. I don't know. It's it's like a or let's talk about it like like vlog it or whatever on YouTube. Right. Um and I almost believe those. But when it comes to like, you know, the injured colds or the this, you know, I'm just like these extended long series, especially if I don't know, I'll have to look into it cuz this is the first time I'm ever hearing about this. But, you know, and I'll I'll hopefully remember so i can report in episode two but if it's just him saying that this stuff happened to his family and happened to his son it's a lot different than his son saying i was there and this happened to me too mm -hmm. and in which case you know it's just like okay so his son could not even exist i know he could have a daughter you know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I know one of the books is called Confirmation, but that's not the one that is big. Gosh, I wish we had our guest here because our guest is really into this story. But our guest will be joining us. Transformation, I believe, is the one. And then there's Breakthrough and then The Secret School. I believe those are the four follow-ups to the communion story. And I think Transformation is like the one that's like next tier compared to communion that a lot of people talk about. So I do, I, I own all of these books now. I have them. They're sitting right over there on my bookshelf and we will be talking about them. Fair enough. Good to go. Now tie this into Thanksgiving somehow. Uh, I'm thankful for Danny. <laughs> thankful for Danny. Yeah. No. All right. Well, yes, I am. I am. So, uh, all right, let's follow up with Thanksgiving. Jake, what are you thankful for, man? Specifically for the podcast, I'm thankful that we have a such a great uh, fan base, people that are willing, like Danny, Grayson, to throw out their uh, their thoughts on like the last episodes and hit us up when something you know didn't hit right so we can make adjustments and everything. Uh, that we, even though we're not on the paranormal network anymore, you know, that doesn't mean that the show is just absolutely decimated and destroyed and there's no, nothing else we can do from that. Like I'm, I'm stoked that we can keep going and that we, for the time being, it seems enjoy this. So it's, you know, it's uh nice to just do something fun and, and keep doing what we started doing, you know, where we're just like, Hey, let's spend an hour or two and break people away from the mundane day-to-day -day type routines or the craziness out in the world and just talk about something weird for a little bit and uh you know so i'm thankful for that and then you know normal stuff thankful for my family and my my wife and all that good stuff a lot of a lot of good blessings kid what are you american thanksgiving thankful for 
<laughs> uh, yeah. Canadian Thanksgiving was back in October. And I mean, I'm always thankful to just be living life and have the things that I have in my life. Um, I'm just thankful to have the people that I have in my life. And I'm thankful for you guys. And I'm thankful for the podcast as is. And I'm just thankful for life. Right on. Nice. Jeffrey, other than sleep, what are you thankful for? I don't get enough of that to be thankful for it, but um, <laughs> I only get nine hours. I'm thankful for a lot of shit, man. I'm a pretty uh, positive human being, man. I'm I'm thankful for a lot of things, man. It really, if I sit down and think about it, everything, right? But uh, if I had to say a few things, man, the show being as popular as it is, right? My show being as popular as it is, those are two big things for me. Current moment. My uh, cush-ass job sitting at home. That's uh, pretty thankful for that. But yeah, I don't know, man. Thankful for life, bro. Right on, dude. I'm thankful for Jeff's show. I've listened to a whole episode, and it was pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, uh... I have a lot to be thankful for as well. Um, I'm going to start off backwards here. I'm going to talk about personal stuff. I'm thankful for a brand new baby boy in my life. He, he's a pain in the ass, but I love him to death. Absolute <laughs> adorable child. Uh, I'm thankful for all of my children, all my beautiful children. I have four of them now. My beautiful wife, this beautiful home, and a beautiful state, which is Wisconsin. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, but podcast-wise, I'm, I'm very thankful for you three sitting right in front of me on the screen right now. And for every single person that listens in every single week to listen to me for some reason, I don't know why Jake, I'm thankful that you took a risk in uh, jumping up and doing this podcast with me, man. I really do appreciate you helping me get it off the ground and uh, stick it with me, dude. Um, Kid. um, I'm thankful that you even started listening to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and you were nice enough to join us and, you know, provide your your insight on these these awesome stories. And Jeffrey, I'm I'm extremely thankful that you have a very, very extremely much more popular podcast uh, somewhere else. And yet you still show up every week. So that's really cool. Uh, <laughs> but, man, I'm uh, I'm extremely thankful for everything that this podcast has brought to my life and for having you guys with me. So thank you guys. And the Academy Award goes to Jeremy Sosha. (laughs) They love me. They really love me. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Oh boy. Now now that we're done with the Paranormal Network, Jeff quits. He's like, you guys aren't famous. Get out of here. Oh yes, we are. I'm I'm also thankful that I don't have to edit those videos anymore. Ah, Until we start doing our own videos now. Yeah, but when we do our own, we can have our own format, so it'll be a little bit more what I want to do. More better. More better. Yeah. More more betterest. Right. Ow, cat. My cat just bit my toe. Yeah, well. <laughs> get. It's telling you it's time for bed, man. You didn't say you're thinking. Yeah, she wants me to, she wants me to get <laughs> off. She's telling me it's time to get off. Not through the butt. Oh gosh. <laughs> or through so the butt. Funky. I don't you know what? I don't really care. Anyways. That has been another episode of the Infinite Rabbit Hole Podcast.
I'm obsessed with buttholes. You're I'm obsessed oh with my goodness. <laughs> You're the butthole guy now. Coming from all of us here, thankful for you listening to this episode and for buttholes everywhere. Mm. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.